Section 1 of The Dial, Number 1, edited by Charles Shannon and Charles Ricketts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rob Marland. Puvis de Chavan, unsigned. Past works have long since had their shortcomings pointed out by every magazine. This is very gratifying. Frank and interesting workers of later days have each his shortcomings duly filed against him. Individual rendering in a decorative form, whether in line or colour, is daily disappearing, in the name of France. Humanity in the workmanship, called technique, is abandoned, in the name of France, and the very interest in an object that moves the artist to its expression has gone, also, in the name of France. I have never understood how this has come about, why France, so busy in reconstructing and beautifying her public buildings with the remembrance of her past, striving with chisel and brush to give expression to her active present, should, in the face of so much earnestly directed energy, create a school of no interest. Why, rumours are abroad that certain phases of modern life only are artistic, that a silhouette is unnecessary, and personality in the rendering impertinent. We usually ignore, or at best dislike, what is new until it has ceased to be so. We have had scarcely any statuary, have never dreamed of mural decoration. On these subjects we are therefore uninformed, our attention going into other channels, and a few months' stay in an atelier, with its blatant voyeurism, is not the place in which to gather the necessary information. In casual reviews on important artistic events, half-facts are stated quite naively, and with too frequent inaccuracies in mere names. So Pouvis de Chauvin is, to some, a wicked impressionist, to others a mere decorator, a name on salon committees, and, generally, with few exceptions, a somebody once vaguely heard of. I can recall only a few honestly catalogued statements referring to him, and one intelligent, really sympathetic review, that by Mr. Claude Phillips. The article in question leaves little to be said, save on the possible influence of this great artist. I would therefore separately analyse his characteristics and tendencies, which have influenced such strikingly original workers as Bastien Lepage, Cazin, Bernard, Renan. Though it is no easy task to describe qualities so magnetic, so widespreading in their simple sweetness, so largely human. Pouvis de Chavannes' great claim is the positive establishing, I may almost say conscious discovery, of man's position relatively to his natural surroundings. With the Renaissance, man and human interest filled the given frame, and decorative space was divided to that end. The middle Venetian school has to a great extent been bound to religious portraiture, and its frequently low and false perspective is due to the works, as altarpieces, being literally looked up to. 
this mistake has clung to all subsequent art the ponderous schools of historic painting full of crammed nothingness influenced garrulous genre increased space was utilised for introduction of more figures and all largeness and dignity was lost art became smaller more incidental stupidly prolix and complying strictly with venerable mistakes was utterly void of that personality one finds in the largest decoration or the smallest portrait by an old master the decorative blot belonging to the early simple works was lost the clamorous crew of landscape artists made its rediscovery seem impossible yet with one earnest almost inarticulate artist himself little more than a landscape painter lingered the possible germ looking naively on what he saw man seemed a silhouette bathed in space pathetic by his very humbleness i refer to jean francois millet courbet with his powerful hand and clear-seeing eye painted on a canvas till he came to the edges this extreme was also of use Puvis de Chavannes, almost contemporary with these, was from the first an old master, from the first had discovered the simplicity of natural beauty, was widening his horizons, and when at last, after seven years' refusal, admitted to the salon, at once gave us his large and tender poems, becoming more and more local every year, touching us more nearly by their aspect more northern, showing eloquently the dignity of simple daily actions and in their large surfaces the truth and decorative value of the sky knitting man to the ground to which he belongs wrapped by the beauty the supreme truth of the whole one first feels then sees the actions he has drawn one is touched by their naturalness the feeling with which he treats his horizons the broidery of simple leaves in space the silhouette of tree trunks of figures in action the sweetness of homely weeds upon the ground and wild flowers growing timidly as they do in fields his large human poems peace war work repose and sleep are not works of no interest large in actual surface highly decorative in effect they certainly do not preach the absence of silhouette but by it seize and fix the attention i have never been able to account for the apparent apathy in england towards puvis de chavannes that i have already remarked men influenced by him have when known been accepted and unlike some other great frenchmen he was exhibited in salons it is pathetic to see the well-informed the man well versed in all our artistic shortcomings eloquent on the largeness and naivety of great work overawed by the blaring orientalisms the salon exhibits annually the technical accomplishment of underbred stuff and overlooking the tender poetic work annually sent there reflecting though with most original treatment some of the qualities of puvis de chavannes even overlooking the master himself as he tells in language of his own of the lovableness of woman the pathetic charm of extreme youth and the voice of tree and stream 
it perplexes me that the strange harmony silver in colour of his larger works has not fixed itself in the mind of the most casual observer at least as something to dislike for every englishman is born not only with an ideal shakespearean hamlet but also with an eye sensitive to venetian colour contrived nowadays by a judicious mixture of brown and pink puvis de chavannes has discarded brown altogether and all other clumsy tone mediums nor has he been initiated into the saving advantages of realistic grey his figures touch the impressionist way of seeing being frankly lit up by the enveloping atmosphere and controlled in modelling and tone by the form and colour of their surroundings usually situated in a clearer atmosphere than our own blue and lilac predominate in his compositions i have heard people allege this as a reproach as if in those two colours no harmony were possible because they are blue and lilac it probably never occurred to such that here might be a new truth that the lilac chord a very late one to develop may be what is generally called grey commonly something between brown and yellow his harmonising influence has done much to modify impressionism so called and shows how to apply many of its truths without destroying the texture of each object into the appearance of an axminster carpet i think he best or at all events most distinctly illustrates his tact in the arrangement of his smaller works where the eye thrown on a limited space sees the ground as the dominant compositional quantity and not the sky which plays such an important part in the construction of his larger the french public having been taught the greater rarity of his wall decorations is strangely blind to these no english gallery would be prepared to give wall space to what would get rid of so much gold framing and these smaller works bear more distinctly on what may be considered art in england thick and assuming the appearance of fresco elsewhere the earnest naivety of his brushwork is easier to follow in these works floating lightly within an undisguised contour pausing tremulously on a plant touching with a line or two a form to be accentuated above all things anxious to keep the music belonging to each picture puvis de chavannes avoids the twist of wrist process like cleanliness we are taught to consider french technique with the vividness of a larger work he shows us orpheus weeping eurydice his laurels torn as his fingers linger expressively on his lyre the pauvre pêcheur earnestly working half at prayer in simple landscape sweet with tiny flowers among which play his children or again it is hope strangely frail in her hesitating youthfulness holding the oak twig she has plucked from a tomb in strange weird surroundings of ruin and cross-crowned tumuli in the handling his works are diametrically opposed to those of our english pre-raphaelites while they explain their emotions glazing actual pieces of magnetism in the minute rendering of each part his poetic instincts lead him to a synthetic treatment yet both kinds of work are eminently emotional based alike on love of nature to be continued 
End of Puvis de Chavannes. Unsigned.